Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From Dallas, Texas, this is Anarchast. Greetings, communicators. Welcome back to Anarchast. I will be Patrick Smith today. We have Benny Wells, who is best known as the conspiracy guy from Joy Camp. He's also a poet, MC, and host of Meme Monday every week on his YouTube, BitChute, and Odyssey channels. In addition, Benny helps people build bridges of communication through his online course, Parhesia, The Art of Communication. Having trouble talking about difficult subjects with friends and family members, you should probably talk to Benny. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thanks, man. That's a cool intro. I'm that's a fun bio. I'm glad uh glad I'm <laughs> glad that was my introduction. All right. Well, I don't know what most of that means, so I, I look forward to hearing uh hearing about all of that from you. What uh why are you known as the conspiracy guy? Well, I have a YouTube channel called Joy Camp, which is somewhat uh, inactive at the moment. But for several years, my friends and I made videos. We made a light of controversial topics, I guess you could say. And the only reoccurring character throughout those videos was a guy called the conspiracy guy. And he's me. That's awesome. And that's it. And we're, we're going to yeah. have links to all these in the description so you can find his uh, his channels and everything down there. Uh, you're a poet. I remember seeing you uh, doing some poetry last year uh, at an Acapulco. Um, how did you get into that? True. Uh, I kind of stumbled my way into it by accident. I, I, for being honest, it was a total accident. I, I was going through a real heartbreak about five mm. or six years ago, and I needed to channel the energy. I needed to feel something different. So I decided to write a poem to distract myself. And I produced a poem that I was really proud of and really excited to share. And I started sharing that one poem around and people really liked it. So I decided to step into it. So I guess you could say I really, yeah, I turned a real difficult moment into something awesome. And that girl has no idea the gift she gave me. I, uh, I, I've done tons and tons of, of YouTube content and podcast content, but never emceed an event. And you did mm. last year for an Arcapoco, uh, or I guess two years ago now, right? Right? Or were you, you were last year as well? No. I am. No, no, no. I apologize. No, I am seeing the in 2020, 20, yes. weeks before everything went absolutely insane. What's that like? Like, that where, like? where do you get the skills to MC an event? Oh, uh, it comes from a lifetime of being on stage, really. Okay. I mean, I've, I've been performing on stage in front of crowds since I was four years old. So. I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm very comfortable on stage. 
And I didn't know, I hadn't done, I hadn't emceed before 2019, but after going to so many events and festivals and experiencing the various MCs, I thought I could do this. And so I put my name in the, in the ring for, I think it was, yeah, the Red Pill Expo in 2019. And Gior Griffin said, okay. I was like, oh, okay. So I just did it having never done it before and it was received well. And then, yeah, I started getting hired, hired to uh, MC other events and it just was a natural fit. Is it stressful? I mean, what, what I saw from the outside looking in uh, at an Acapulco two years ago was there's, there's sort of a chaotic calendar schedule shifting that kind of moves under your feet behind the scenes and you have to fill in the gaps sometimes. And you did that with poetry and some other things, right? So uh, like, is that a stressful job? How do you, how do you handle that? With confidence. Yeah, it's kind of stressful. You kind of, you have to be the glue that kind of holds everything together. So you kind of carry the energy from start to finish. You carry it through the end zone. You can't, you have to, be, you have to make sure the audience stays interested in between speakers and that they, they get in and out at the right times. And I just thought I'd be good at that. And I think I am because um, I enjoy it. I don't mind being on stage with absolutely nothing to say. I'm okay going out there completely cold and just talking to the audience. And I think that, uh, that lends itself well to emceeing. It's just having fun essentially. So even though it's kind of stressful, I really enjoy the experience and I think I'm really good at just keeping the audiences, uh, happy. Have, have you been on Anarchast previously with Jeff or is this your first I've time? I've been on Anarchast. He's my third time on Anarchast. Okay. I've been on Anarchast twice. Okay, so I don't need to ask you the obligatory how did you become an anarchist? You've already you've already done that. Okay. <laughs> well, I was wondering if that question was going to come up because I, I thought of an answer as I was walking around today. Because when oh. Jeff first asked me, he kind of threw me for a loop. I was on Anarchist before Anarchapulco was even yeah. real. So it was like before the first Anarchapulco and I hadn't really even considered anarchy as a, I don't know, a, a way of life. I had the negative definition of anarchy. So it was actually, it was my experience going to Anarchapulco for the first time being invited to speak there that I really learned what it was all about. Really? So, yeah. So it's, I'm actually want to revisit that question again, because it so, was yeah. literally Jeff, it was Jeff Berwick and Anarchapulco that led me to understand that my beliefs, my beliefs and my approach to life were already in line with voluntarism and anarchy. So it was, it was, Anarchapulco that did it. Well, that's the short answer. Is there any more any more details that you'd like to give? Like, I, I guess let's officially ask the question that uh, I need to ask you on Anarchist. How did you become an anarchist? Like specifically? Okay, so how? Yeah, good question. Because I, I realized I was I was already there. So what led me to getting there was a gradual process. It started with skepticism of authority to be honest and that was, that started at a very young age i really didn't adapt well to the public school model and being told what to do i've never been good at being told what to do i don't do well when people try to make me uh care about things that that they how do i say this better i don't like being i don't like to pretend that someone else's priorities are my priorities if they're not so i've always been a terrible employee i was a terrible student and I was always questioning why we had to defer to authority. 
And again, a gradual process of just peeling back those layers and, and realizing so much of what we're taught is to indoctrinate us um, and to keep us in line and to keep us from thinking and realizing that self-governance and a voluntary society is what we should be striving for. And so, yeah. And then when someone finally slapped the label on it and I was like, okay, I, th I think I can get behind this as a, as a concept. And was there, know, a, moment? A, was there a moment? Was, was there like a, a jaw dropping uh, epiphanal? Is that a word? Epiphany moment? Let, let's go with epiphany moment instead of epiphanal. <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends. Cause I, I have several moments I point to when it comes to sort of my waking up in general, but as far as just anarchy specifically, I think my disillusionment in government started when I was in college and it was post 9-11 and I was in San Francisco and we had uh, a guy named Peter Camejo come and speak at our school. And he was the running mate of Ralph Nader in the 2004 election. And of course, San Francisco is very left leaning and that was kind of where I was still at at that time. And uh, when I heard Camejo speak, the sentiment was anybody but Bush. That was the big, you know, that was the push of the 2004 election. And when Kameho spoke as a Green Party representative, I thought, wow, this guy's saying all the things I would like a politician to say. Too bad I can't vote for him. And when I had that thought, I became aware of my own programming. I was like, whoa, why couldn't I vote for this guy if I like him? Why do I have to vote for John Kerry? And there's no rules here. Why do I have to vote for this? I actually like this guy. So it was that moment that kind of like cracked the foundation for me of the left, right, you know, paradigm. And from there, it was just uh, off to the races. <laughs> you know, I started really going down the conspiratorial rabbit holes and found out that Kerry and Bush were both in the Skull and Bones secret society at Yale. And thought that was pretty messed up that of all the people in, the, in, in, in America that we had to choose from, we could choose from, we had to pick between two skull and bones men. Like it all just started, it started unraveling very quickly until I realized there was one big trap and that government was tricking us into blaming most everything on each other so that we didn't see the maneuvering behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, eventually that led me to Anarchapulco. What is your favorite conspiracy um, that you think is mm. false? Oh, oh man, I don't want to get in trouble. Like these, these <laughs> kinds of conversations can get you in trouble. <laughs> Why? Not um, here. Not okay, with me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you I, I have one that I have a real hard time with and people will debate me on it. I have a really hard time accepting that Paul McCartney is dead. Really? That's a okay. tough one for me. Really? No matter what evidence people supply, I'm like, no, sure. I'm like, nah, looks like the same guy to me. So that's one that, uh, I've, I've certainly, um, some people are upset by cause they're so sure. And maybe they're right. I'm not saying it's necessarily incorrect. I just, I'm not behind that one quite yet. So aside False, from, though, I mean, let me, let me think that, that's my immediate hit. I'd love, I'd love to like answer this question more, yeah. like have it, you know, yeah. have a conversation with a round table discussion about this because that's that's a really fun question <laughs> what's yours out of curiosity my favorite conspiracy that i think is false yeah um honestly it's flat earth 
um, mm. because it is, uh, I, there's that analogy where it's just like, I forgot who said it, but somebody was like, well, what's under it? You know, what, what holds it up? And somebody was like, oh, it's a giant turtle. It's like, oh, okay. Well, what, what's I'll holding up the turtle, the, man? What's holding up the turtle? What's under the turtle? And then somebody <laughs> responded by saying, oh, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> and it's just like this, um, funny. this, uh, re- this infinite regression loop of hilarity, um, trying to, to trying to twist reality to, to match something that's absurd. And, and some Fair people enough. are just ultra annoyed by it, but for me, it's just uh, it's just fun. It's like an amusement park of of people attempting to use re- reason and evidence to prove something that I think is false. So, yeah, that's that's actually one of my I I think it's just a fascinating topic. The shape of the earth is really intriguing to me, and I'm not sold in any any direction to be honest. But what fascinates me the most is people's emotional investment in that and yes. that. Uh, theory whether it whether whether no matter where they fall on their you know belief they're so passionate about it and they're like willing to fight about it i'm like whoa i just think isn't it's that interesting. most of them uh, though isn't that most of the the that's what are, i guess most, what are called conspiracy that, that, theories that's one of the most uh, uh delicate ones that's the one that it'll get people one of the ones that gets people the most fired up is that topic really okay well, i'm just I sitting there going huh interesting yeah, I've never really tried to engage, so I, I don't know. Maybe I just yeah. stepped on a landmine, but I don't, I don't. People are very passionate about the their, their, the shape of the earth. <laughs> what uh, what would you say is the conspiracy theory that um, the least people know about that you think is a big deal? Like that you wish Whoa. more people would pay attention to. Wow. Man, these are great questions. Uh, <laughs> well, oh man, okay. One that I think people should be paying attention to. That aren't. Well, you know, like, uh, that aren't. Yeah. Okay, I, here's one that may be very triggering. I don't think COVID-19 is real at all. I think it's a total fabrication. I don't believe there's a virus. That's a controversial opinion. People have different theories about where it comes from and all that. And I, I'm not sold. I'm not saying 100% I believe that, but I'm not sold that it exists. There are there are scanning electro uh, electro micrographs of it like pictures like there are pictures of it like is isn't that okay. good enough usually when somebody says no. you know pics or it didn't happen well there's pics right like how how do we reject that evidence well how do we know where the pictures came from and how we're just trusting that someone's saying that that's what covid-19 is well you I mean we're trust you can go and get a scanning electro and microscope and take a picture. It's never been isolated. Isolation has multiple meanings. You asked me the question. That's no, what I'm no, at. No, this I, is fun. I can't, and we don't have to talk about it if you want. This is fun. Yeah. I just can't. I haven't seen anything. Even that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sell me on being real. I'm not that there's any problem whatsoever. What would it take? What, what evidence would it take to convince you it's real? I don't know. Uh, I'm not. Look, people don't. People, I, what I'm sick of is people saying, oh, I had it. I had it and I got over it. I'm like, how do you know you had it? Well, I lost my sense of taste and smell. That's not. I, so did I when I got sick over the winter, but that doesn't mean 100% that I had COVID-19. I think it's a big boogeyman. It's another boogeyman. It's another mystery. Like, ooh, maybe it. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel authentic to me. It feels like it's a big con. The whole thing. Well, I mean, do you think the flu is real? Yeah, I do. 
But I'm Why? also, I mean, this is what, me. what what evidence about the flu makes you think it's real that I could show you uh, for COVID that would. Well, but the flu, but I think the flu is a reaction. I think I, that's where I'm really, I'm really intrigued by this whole terrain versus germ theory that's really been brought to the forefront. I think particularly in the last year, and we have our bodies can go into like flu happens in cold weather, so we get the flu when we are not necessarily going to be in as balanced of an environment as we would be when the sun is out. Like we're not getting as much vitamin D, um, food's not as fresh. I think that we're indoors more. I think that our body can then go through somewhat of an imbalance and a purging process. And it can be called the flu. Perhaps again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just speculating. I think about this stuff a lot. I'm just wondering where the truth is, but I don't know. Well, I mean, you can see video of viruses infecting a cell multiplying and exploding out of it and going to infect other cells and then when you see a lot of that in one body it's the association between well, have you talked the, to have you had kaufman on this show dr kaufman yet uh i don't think so maybe i, oh, I think we had, a, we, had a de- we had a debate with him but i was the moderator oh, okay think, but, yeah. yeah his his uh his his stuff is pretty intriguing again i'm this is this is where throughout my whole life i've always been interested in perspective so when i've heard that i'm now entertaining this side of the of the coin for the first time in my life and really weighing it and really letting it settle and see how it see how it feels and see what what the argument is in favor of it and he's saying that the viral reaction is our body reacting it's coming from within us it's not something you can just pick up off of like holding a banister and then all of a sudden you touch your nose and now you're infected with this virus it's kind of rejects that idea and it's compelling what is your when you bring up these um ideas um Uh what do you like least about how the general you're generally reacted to and what do you wish people would do differently well i wish people wouldn't be so offended by perspective that's Mm. what i feel is a big problem like whether i'm not okay i'm leaning towards COVID-19 not being real, but I wouldn't, it's not the hill I want to die on. I'm not going to, I'm not going to swear. Like it's, I, you know, put my, my flag down declaring it's definitely not real. I'm leaning in that direction, but I'm open to it also being real. And I've always enjoyed perspective, just like the, the shape of the earth. I, if someone, if someone has a theory about it, I want to hear it and I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get pissed off. I'm not going to get angry at them for explaining a different point of view. And I think that we get so touchy, we get so not, I shouldn't say we, certain people, some people get very, very, very defensive of their opinions, but your opinions don't define you. And I think that a lot of times our opinions get, get called into question and we take it personally. But really when you have an, a new idea that replaces an old idea, that's how we grow. That's how we become wise. That We have this weird complex where we get very defensive and we don't want anyone to really take our opinions away from us we don't want to be seen as weak we don't want to be seen as not as smart we don't want to you know it's it's very strange so uh, it seems, it seems I would, like people's people let their egos get sort of woven into their positions absolutely why do absolutely. you think that's that exactly is? right i think you know this is this is this is a great question because i've been asking this kind of this general question for specifically for the past several months because i am teaching a course on communication and wondering where this kind of programming comes from or these these tendencies because 
you know, I have a nine month old son, so I'm studying him every day and studying this brand new humans impulses and how they're, how they're reacting to the world and how they, and how he watching him see the impact that he can have on the world and noticing that he has no self-consciousness. He has no self-doubt. He doesn't question his decisions. He just goes for what he wants. He reacts honestly. He, he holds eye contact. He's, you know, he's, he's not afraid to smile or laugh or cry. He's really pure. So when, when does, when do these other aspects happen? Cause everybody who I know has, you know, their own bag of, well, baggage. So when, how do we acquire that? Whether it's through personal experience or through, yeah, let's hear it. My theory is, um, and I'll make an analogy to like uh, being betrayed by a friend. So you grow over time to be friends with somebody, then you eventually develop a strong trust in that person. And then one day that person does something to betray you or hurt you in some way that you obviously didn't expect. That is very painful. Why is that painful? And reading Marcus Aurelius and a lot of the Stoics sort of woke me up to the fact that that's painful because the difference in reality and your expectations was you you expected this person to be a different than they were you expected them to be trustworthy and they weren't and so when that when that gap collapses that's the pain of your expectations being slammed into reality and realizing that your ability to detect other people is flawed and so it's sort of like an existential oh shit I'm not as good at percepting or perceiving reality as I thought I was. And so hmm. I think you can take that as a microcosm of all of these other positions. If you are a firm believer in germ theory and um, one day somebody challenges that belief, well, in a way they're challenging that belief or that position, but also in a way they're challenging your ability to perceive reality and interpret facts and, and, um, medical science, for example. And so uh, to be proven wrong would be to sort of fundamentally shake your confidence, your self-confidence. That's that's my thing. I think it's really well said. Yeah, that's well said. I think that's that's accurate. And I love the I love the um, the skeptics point of view when they hold positions. They're always looking for ways that they can be wrong and they're embracing of being wrong yes. and finding out they're wrong. I love that. And I want to try and embody that's one that. of my favorite traits in a person. One of my favorite traits in a person is when they can admit that they're wrong. I think it's really admirable when they can say I was wrong and then say, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's such a, that's a key to growth. Like I said, I mean, when we, we learn better we get better we have new ideas replace old ideas and that's how we grow and even those experiences like you're talking about when we're betrayed or when we have an expectation and it's not met and someone hurts us all this is character building it's just whether it's how you interpret it how you internalize it every i do firmly believe that every challenge has an opportunity there's a silver lining in every situation and sometimes it's really hard to find but it's there mm. i mean every success story you hear from someone has to do with them overcoming some obstacle, big or small, or several obstacles. And this is, and then we are, then we're inspired. And the worst thing you can do is let all that defeat you, and then not take action, and then you're dead in the water. So you teach a course on communication. I or, do, or, yeah. Or, or you help people with uh, learning how to have difficult conversations. So certainly one of those would be how to how to apologize. Like, what would you, 
if you wanted to coach somebody on how to apologize, how to give a quality apology that's meaningful and, um, I don't know, like, like what should your standard of apology be and how would you communicate that? Well, if it's, if if an apology is warranted, I would encourage it. I think a lot of people have a tendency in the other direction. People over apologize. People are too apologetic about almost everything. So I think it just depends on the person. If it's something that sometimes people have a hard time having the overview of their own situation. I mean, oftentimes we can give advice to other people better than we can give it to ourselves. So we need some sort of third party to step in and kind of give you that, give you that overview. So it just depends if it's, if it's, if the person has done something that hurts someone else, you should probably apologize. And if it's something that you're, I don't know, if it's, if it's not that big of a deal, if it's something that's you're, you know, de- if it's something from a desperate place, I don't know, again, it takes, it takes a counselor, it takes someone, a third party, a friend, a buddy system to really kind of give you perspective sometimes. Sometimes you don't realize that you've hurt somebody and you take someone else to be like, hey, wait a minute, how did that go down again? Oh, sounds like maybe you were in the wrong. Mm. Um, and then it takes humility to be able to accept that you were wrong also takes courage and it takes a, it's a, it's a character test, you know, to be able to, to be able to admit that you were wrong is another huge deal. And a lot of people have a hard time doing that. People don't want to be wrong. Um, why do you think, why do you think that is? Why do you think people have a hard time with that? I would say it's parenting. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think it comes out of fear. We're, we're, we're all kind of traumatized in our own way. And we have, we built up pretty thick skins and there's a lot of scar tissue that's covering a wound that hasn't been healed. So we're kind of jumpy sometimes and we have a hard time being honest with ourselves and we don't want to show weakness and apologizing, admitting you're wrong shows weakness. So you don't want to let your, you have a shield up. You don't want to take the shield down because it's protecting you from from a, uh, I don't know, looking yourself in the mirror really objectively. Yeah, I always think like if uh, if the, a kid grows up with their parents that are able to admit when they're wrong and apologize when they mess up, that that sets the example for the entire rest of the kid's life. And so I've really tried with my children to set a good example in that regard. And you know, when I do mess up, I admit it and I and I make an apology and I'm sincere about it and I make changes in my behavior. Like, like I always say, like, um, did I lose you? Are you there? I think we locked up. I think we lost our connection. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe you're back. Uh, I think we lost you. You were a bit choppy. Okay. I caught words of what you just said and I think I agree, but I didn't catch the whole sentiment. I, I said, um, uh, I, I think it's parenting, and I think that when a parent sets a good example for their children uh, by admitting when they're wrong, when they're when they mess up, and making a good apology yeah. when it's warranted, that that sets the stage for the entire rest of the kid's life, and and absolutely disassociates the kid's ego from their mistakes. And I also think that a really important part of an apology that most people don't even think about is that, uh, and I forgot who said it, but they said it really well when they said that an apology not accompanied by a change in behavior is just a manipulation. And so I always really think mm. about like, if nice. I've, if yeah. I've done something wrong that rises to a bar that I need to apologize, 
That also rises to a bar that means I need to change my behavior somehow to evidence that I'm actually sorry and that it's sort of like it brings the meat and the potatoes to the table that is the apology is when you show that you're doing something differently. Totally, man. I absolutely agree. All right. <laughs> well, um, and yeah, so, like you said, setting, setting a good, setting a good example. Are you, so let's talk about, so um, best, everything starts at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about, uh, NR COVID. What are you doing, uh, at NR COVID this year? I'm doing, a, a poetry set that has a nice arc to it. I think that is really all about ultimately building bridges. I mean, that's really my, uh, my MO these days and yeah. You'll have to wait and see, but it's a, it's a, it's a nice uh, poetic journey and again, solutions based. I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's always trying to find the positive in situations and this, the last year and a half has been pretty crazy, but one of the good things that's come out of it is it's really prompted and propelled a lot of people into action. And I think a lot more people now are focusing on solutions rather than just talking about the problems mm -hmm. and I think that's a really encouraging sign. So for me, it's definitely taken my game to the next level. And so I'm really, like I said, building bridges is my biggest goal and focus at the moment and trying to help people feel empowered and excited and confident and ready to face the world. And you know, tackle those uncomfortable conversations with people, whether they're, whether it's in front of a crowd, one on one with a stranger, with someone you love, and if walk away feeling like you represented yourself, well. whether or not that person's mind has changed, it's not what it's about. But if you can represent yourself well and you don't feel like you overdid it, or if you didn't stop about how you handled it, um, that's really what it's all about. So is Confidence. this, like, this going to be like a, like a poetry session? Like it's going to like 20 minutes, like it's a, like it's a, a big thing. <laughs> I, I've never been to anything like that. I'm intrigued. I, I want to watch this. Now. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. This that's usually, that's usually what I do when I get these, these, uh, invites, I will do a poetry set that I have worked on that has a, a flow to it. And then I'll talk in between and sort of lead in and out of each idea and yeah, just take people on a journey. That's awesome. How, what, what's your time block? I think about 30 minutes. Really? Give or take, I think maybe a little, little, maybe 35 minutes. I've got to see this. I'm definitely, what, what day are you on oh, cool. for and our, and our COVID? Oh, uh oh, <laughs> there's a question I, I can't answer. I don't remember. It's the, you know, I'm the first, I'm the first presentation on one of the days. That's what I know. All right. And uh, all right. we will have links to Anarchovid and you can get all the information down in the description as well as links to all of Benny's stuff. Benny, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we get going here today? Well, I want to add an asterisk to something we were talking about earlier about the, the, uh, the legitimacy of COVID-19. And I think that it's important to say, because you asked me my, my opinion and that's like a, that's where I'm leaning, but just to anybody who may think that's triggering or like, like he's wrong. Okay, fine. We can still be friends. Like we can have a healthy debate about it. But the, I think what's important to not forget is that the response to it, whether it's real or not real is incorrect. And the way it's being used to take away 
certain things in our lives and keep us apart and all that everything that's that's happening as a result the so the reaction to it is wrong and if it's real we can heal ourselves from it without what they're telling us we need to do that with so i want to i just want to add that because yeah my my, my hunch is that it's all bs but whether it is or it isn't the reaction is bs and if it's real i'm confident if i got it i'd be confident in my ability to heal my body and therefore i would never know if it was COVID 19 or not i like people that question everything with boldness so thank you for being one of those people and i especially like those people when they don't want to control everybody around them with 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 questions like you can lead your life you can believe whatever you want to believe this is another part of not having your ego wrapped up in it right believe whatever you want to believe just leave me alone you know, we can we can coexist. Exactly. No. Yeah. And if anybody's interested, I do. I mean, the Parhesia course is something I'm very passionate about. And I'm in my second season now. I have over 60 people in this current season. And it's amazing. Like I. What does Parhesia uh, mean? Uh, Parhesia means to speak boldly or freely. Mm. Literally means free speech. Parhesia means free speech. And it also means to speak truth to power. It's an incredible word that's what been lost word. from our lexicon. What a great Why have I not heard about this? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, think about it. Why else, that's this is the perfect word to try to like yeah. get away because it's so it's so important. We need parhesia in our society, and uh, I'm bringing it back, and I'm helping people kinds of creative aspect, and it's going really well. I'm. Um, my lot better than I do because their testimonials are pretty amazing. Awesome. All right, sir. Where, where can people find that? Bennywills.com. Go to Bennywills.com. I have a free webinar people can watch if they just want to get their, their feet wet and see if it's for them. And, and if they want to join, they can't join now, but maybe they can get interested so they can join the next season. Uh, and I would love to have everybody on board. I mean, it's a real, for, especially for people who are counter narrative, people who are not in line with what the authorities are doing and telling us um, those people who are feeling very alone feeling very scared about what's happening it's the perfect course for you because you'll find first of all that you're not alone and that you can feel invigorated again and empowered to take action and use your voice in a way that can um, help set you free so when you get closer to starting your next season, when people can join again, let me know. We'll bring you back on and maybe just do a discussion specifically about that uh, course that you're teaching. Does that sound like a plan? I would love to. And people can sign up now. They just can't they can't in- immerse themselves until the next season because it's it's full, which is a good thing for me. But you can definitely like if you're if you're interested, just reach out because uh, you can get in the you can be in the loop and I want people involved, so I don't want anyone to feel like they missed an opportunity or if you're interested, come find me because we'll we'll figure it out. All right, Benny. Thank you so much for sitting with me for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed talking to you. Can I say one more thing? Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing. Yeah. You said host of me Monday. This is this is also important. Yeah. Uh, I do comedy. I do poetry. I like to keep it light. So again, if you go to my YouTube channel every Monday night or on BitChute, Brighteon, Odyssey, I host a weekly meme show where I collect the week's best memes and present them 
And uh, then I offer them to you in a zip file if you want to sign up for a mailing list so you can have those memes and you can spread them around your social media platforms like a virus, if you will. And uh, yeah, let's face it. The best thing on social media are memes right now. So let's, let's keep it going. And it's a good place to come and let off some steam and laugh a little bit because we cannot forget that this experience is worth appreciating. And no matter what they do, uh, life is awesome and they can't take away our joy and our gratitude. And it's a, and laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. And this is our only life to live. So don't let them take it away. Like don't let them rob you of your only chance at being happy. And yeah. All right. Good show. Good, good talk, man. Thank you very much. All right, (laughs) everybody. You bet. Thanks for watching. My pleasure. Take it easy. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.